Thank you for listening to the Tulane Clapper podcast, where we are instructed to know God, inspired to love God, and challenged to obey God. This episode is actually a sermon from Joshua 24 and John 12 at our weekly Connect gathering. Enjoy. But if you, if you have a Bible of some sort, I encourage you to get it out. Um, I'm going to read from a couple different places today. We'll be reading from Joshua 24 and John 12. Um, but um, first, I just want to throw out this question. Have any of you ever had a product that was recalled? No, I think so. I think yes. Maybe. I can't remember. My Toyota van has had a few recalls on it, but they're like... Not the real recall. It's just like, oh, your door latch might go bad. Let us fix that for you. Yeah. But you know, there are there are the recalls. Just like, oh, this crib is killing babies. Um, mm-hmm. you know, burn them all. Or um, you know, this these I think it was Ford. Somebody was having cars that um, the accelerator would get stuck and you couldn't stop. Um, or it was like, and then there was yeah, there was the Ford Pinto back in the seventies that would explode if it got hit from behind. Um, so like, and then that James Dean car, which was said to be haunted, it was recalled. Or I don't know, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. There was a ghost in his car. You recall it? <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe there was a rumor that it was, but I don't know if it's true. Interesting. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But, um, I, I doubt that was a manufacturer's recall, though. That was um, something utterly different. Um, but so products are usually recalled. Uh, because they fail to work properly, um, or they become a danger to the public. Um, so, you know, what happens to those recalled products? They throw in the trash. Probably, yeah, the trash heap, you know, the, the landfill. Um, yes. Uh, the, the, the New Testament word for that would be Gehenna, which um, is translated hell. Um, you know, where everything goes to die. Um, yeah. Um, so this is just a rhetorical question to hold on for a minute. It's a very, very happy question. What happens when God issues a recall? Joshua 24. <laughs> so I'm going to um, read most of this chapter, but I'm going to read the first 13 verses um, first. So uh, this is actually the last chapter of our Bible reading last week. Um, then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came out, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hand. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, 
to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. <clears throat> then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. <clears throat> but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Um, so it's just rehash of really short Exodus, um, and then all of the wilderness wanderings, and then the people finally coming into possession of the promised land out of slavery. And so really this, um, this maps exceptionally well onto salvation through Jesus. Now the cool thing is Jesus and Joshua have the same name. Um, they both mean that the Lord is salvation. Um, Jesus is just the Greek. We get that from the Greek version of the same name. Um, and so we were, uh, before Jesus, found ourselves locked in slavery to sin and death. Um, but Jesus came and uh, afflicted death by putting it to death um, through his own death um, and brought us out into a land that we could not have gotten for ourselves. Brings us into a land of plenty, a land of liberty, and a land of joy, a land of peace, um, etc. And so that is what, what God has done. The work God does brings us into this place. And so then um, Joshua now, after he rehashes the history, he continues, starting in verse 14. <coughs> so this is where Joshua begins to preach to the people. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord your God and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said, Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Father God, I pray that um, just the word that you've spoken through Joshua um, will, will pierce our hearts and that you will <coughs> accomplish your work in us today. In Jesus' name. So a couple of really important points from Joshua's little sermon here. We could talk about all kinds of points. But the first one is choose. It says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Um, there's a choice to be made, right? And our lives in some senses, are kind of the sum of our choices. Um, our choices that will, like, kind of they stack up on top of each other, they interlock with each other. Sometimes our choices cancel out each other, um, and they build or destroy a real life. That's how 
Like we become who we are by the choices that we make. So like um, if you have a, a foolish Saturday and you play this really old fashioned game on your phone for multiple hours, um, what, you, what your choice results in is a distracted mind and a tired brain. Um, when you could have chosen like intentionally loving and serving your kids and you would have brought joy into your household. Um, somebody did this. Um, or you could, um, you could choose to take a break from your studies and turn to Jesus. Or you can study into oblivion. Um, and your life will bear the consequences of the choices that you make. Um, and the thing about choices is, um, I think you guys are probably all aware of this, um, but every choice, like it really is, our lives are like a choose your own adventure book in a sense. Like once you make your choice on page one, like half of the book is no longer available to you. And if you've never choose your own adventure book, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, they're great. Um, they're not great literature, but they are fun. Um, and so, like every choice you make limits and def defines and determines what choices you'll have available to you next. Uh, of course, because of the consequence of the choice, but also because you are shaping your will around those choices. And so your capacity to make a different choice changes with each choice that you make. So choices are a really big deal. Um, and uh, as Joshua even talked about here. And then we have the recall question, right? Verses 19 to 20. Um, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. So last semester, Jason talked about the Lord's name, Exodus 34. And part of the Lord's name is that he's, he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Um, and then, uh, I forget, I'm forgetting something, but he's forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So part of the Lord's very character is that he forgives rebellion and sin. And Joshua intentionally chooses his language to say, he will not forgive your rebellion and your sin. So what is it, when does God become unforgiving? It's not something to be taken lightly when these kind of words are brought up here. Um, because God's character doesn't change. But something has happened. There's been a recall on what has been originally issued uh, to the people because he had been good to them. Like they didn't earn his goodness, but he chose them. He brought them out of slavery. He brought them into a good land. Um, but then something brings about a recall. So now we're going to jump ahead um, to John chapter 12 and um, read some words of Jesus. And this is really where this, this message grew out of. Um, John 12, 26 just kept coming to me in multiple different places over and over and over again over the past couple of days. Um, and I didn't realize it until this morning. Um, and I just sensed that the Lord wanted to say something um, out of this. And then you read it in context and just you know, things go. So um, I'm going to read 12, 23 through 33 for the sake of brevity. <clears throat> so Jesus replies, um, and this is his reply here, it seems like has nothing to do with the question that's asked him, but that's kind of classic Jesus. Um, I've actually had him do this to me personally, so if you ever ask Jesus a question and he answers you something totally out of the blue, pay attention, because um, I think what he's honestly looking for is someone who's actually listening. He's like, oh, I have your attention. There's something very important I need to tell you. Um, and so it's kind of like, yeah, your question, cool, it's not that important. 
this is actually really important. And since he's infinitely wise, he's always right. Um, so starting verse 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man, talking about himself, to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So this seed now, the seed gets recalled. Um, right? The, the, a seed gets recalled when it fails to produce the life that is within it. A seed just sits there. Now some seeds can be eaten, and that's, that's tasty and gives you some nutrition, but it's not what the seed is meant for. The seed is meant to reproduce itself um, and really multiply itself many times. And so a seed gets recalled when it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And then Jesus has this, um, just these, these words that just everybody loves to hear so much. Um, you see them like crocheted and put on people's walls, bumper stickers, um, stickers. It's like, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, and then you know, John 12, 25, right? No, not really, right? These are the words of Jesus that people, um, we don't, necessarily like to hear, but they're extremely important. <coughs> he talks about loving and hating life. Um, the love and hate are choices, right? Um, and so he says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. And so the word he uses for life here is the word that's sometimes translated soul, suke. Um, and it's just, just your life, uh, your life breath. But what's interesting is when he gets to, when he says um, anyone who hates their life in this world, again, their, their soul, their suke, will keep it for eternal life. And that he uses the word zoe. It's a different life, a different quality of life. Um, and so the different gospel writers don't always do this, this change of words, but John has the change of words here, which I don't know, I, just, I think just helps um, draw attention to the difference of quality. Um, you, you turn away from one form of life to value something else, the life that God himself gives. So what does it mean, though, to, like, to hate your life in this world? Um, because clearly Jesus is, does not teach people to like, you should you should look at yourself in the mirror and say you're awful. You look in the mirror and say you're you're a scumbag. Like that's not because when Jesus looks at people in the face, he says I love you. When he, he says you are forgiven, um, he says you are loved by the Father. Um, so that's what that's what. So Jesus wouldn't tell people things about themselves of, of infinite truth that you are valuable, um, and then say but actually you should think that you suck. Um, so that's that's clearly not the message, right? So it's really it's it's a it's a language of choice, but it's an extreme choice. It's not not just like well you know in general I prefer God and the life that Jesus calls me to, but I also like really love this other stuff on the side as well. He's he's calling people to an either or decision. Um, which life are you going to value? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Um, so like what I love I prefer, 
over everything else. If I don't love it, uh, one way of hating it is I ignore it. Um, and so the things that my life in this world would value, being, being appreciated, being praised, being wealthy, um, those things are ignored. Um, if I love something, I esteem it, I value it highly. Um, if I don't love it, I make light of it. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. Like, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm not that big of a deal. Um, Jesus loves me, but I'm not that big of a deal. Um, I cherish that which I love. I hold it tightly, I'm not going to lose it. Um, but if I don't love it, if I hate it, I'm gonna drop it on the ground. Who cares where it lands? Um, it's not that big of a deal. Um, just some things to think about when it comes to this, this crazy language of loving your life and losing it, but hating your life in this world in order to gain eternal life with God forever. Um, and a lot of times, so when I, a lot of times when I talk about Jesus, when I talk about his hard words, I talk about invitation. Um, my, my terminology I like to talk about, he's inviting us into this amazing thing. And so everything else kind of pales in comparison. And I, I like that language and I think it's appropriate, but um, it's not completely appropriate because Jesus' language, language rings stronger than an invitation. This is, his, his language rings with command, with authority. Um, when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom is at hand, he's not just saying, hey, come on, let's hang out. He's giving a command. Um, I am the king. You need to pay attention. This is the way into the kingdom. Um, verse 26, this is the verse that started it all for me. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. We're, we're called, we want to follow and be with Jesus. So it's interesting. So you go on to verse 27. So he just talked about, like, if you, if you love your life or your soul in this world, um, then you'll lose it. But if you hate your world in this world, you will gain eternal life with God. And so verse 27, Jesus says about his own soul, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? It's the same word, suke. Um, so Jesus' life was at risk. Um, and so he has an opportunity now to decide. Is he going to love his life in this world, or is he going to consider it of little value in comparison to obeying the Father? And we know what he chose. He chooses to obey the Father and glorify his name. And so Jesus shows us what it looks like to actually hate your life in this world. Um, Jesus doesn't go off and like say awful things about himself. He doesn't go and say, oh, I'm really a terrible person. No one should like me. He doesn't jump off a cliff to end his life. But he submits to the will of God. Doing what God commands is far more valuable than anything he can get for himself in this world. And so that's what it looks like. Um, and so he's our Lord and our example, and God honored him. Ultimately, God honors Jesus through, or here he speaks on his behalf. He resurrects him from the dead. He raises Jesus up into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God for all eternity. Um, and so it says that whoever serves Jesus will be honored by his Father. Um, in Psalm chapter 8, it, said, it says that God crowned humanity with glory and honor, and which is just wild to think about. Um, glory is like just the, the brilliance of goodness. Um, it's hard to describe with glory. The weight of awesomeness. Um, and honor, weight, is, is again, weight is esteem, value. God crowns humanity with value. However, um, it's, it's a contingent honor. Um, like it's a contingent, 
Um, because it can be, can be recalled. Um, if our lives fail, like they're made for, if our lives become a danger to the public, God issues a recall verdict. Um, and God takes this very seriously. Um, it's illustrated on the cross of Jesus. Um, when lives are broken, there's a cost to be paid. Um, and we need, to, we just need to look at Jesus on the cross. And out of grace and mercy, God takes that penalty upon himself. <coughs> Salvation is free, um, but praying is not magic. You don't say, like, oh, God, please forgive me for my sins. And now all of a sudden, I live a life that looks just like Jesus. Um, but there is, salvation is free. Salvation saves our life from death. And now there is a life to be lived. You've been saved and given life, so then you live that life. Um, and I think, honestly, we want that. Um, because, of course, we, we want to be loved for who we are. Um, we don't want to, like, try to perform for somebody. Like, no, per performance-based love is not love. Um, performance-based esteem is not true esteem. Um, but we want what we do to actually make a difference. Um, like, we, we want, I, I really believe that this core of our souls, when, when God looks at us, we want him to value what we do. Um, so like, oh, you you were really like loving and serving those people. I don't really care. I love you anyways. Like, I don't I don't think that's actually what we want. Um, we want him to look at us and and celebrate us. Um, and of course, he, I, this is tricky language because God loves us for who we are, right? Um, even we sang a song like, "You don't want perfection," which is a lie because Jesus said multiple times that we should be perfect, as our heavenly Father is perfect. <laughs> Uh, we sing lies a lot, um, because we're, partially because we're uncomfortable with the truth, and, and the, also the truth is nuanced. God loves us for who we are, because he made us. He put his stamp upon us. But he won't let us run around and destroy other people with the authority and the power that he gave us, because he loves everyone else as well. And he loves us too much to become an eternal corruption of his infinite power and goodness. Um, and so what does it look like for us to become a danger for those around us. There's all kinds of sin lists in the Bible. Um, and so you can get like, you know, violence and murder and, and so forth and so on. But I think some other things that are, that are maybe more um, accessible to our day-to-day -day life, um, how we become dangerous. We become dangerous like um, people who don't forgive. We become dangerous by becoming manipulative. Um, we become dangerous by dividing people from one another. We become dangerous out of spite or gossip or simply making light of God. Um, I think this is one of the biggest dangers that we carry around with us, um, is we take the eternal God, and we don't cherish him. We treat him lightly. And we teach other people around us to take God lightly, um, to not take God seriously. Um, and that's really dangerous, and, and God takes it seriously. Um, because if we teach people not pay attention to what's most important. We are setting themselves up. We are setting them up for eternal death. Um, and so there is a recall button. Um, now, just a little side note. I think there's this question that people ask, um, and it's a good one. Isn't it unfair that Christians go to heaven? Um, because a lot of times people are Christians simply because of where they're born or when they are born. Um, so it's like all these other people, these other religions, they don't have a chance to hear about Jesus, and so why do Christians get to go to heaven just because of circumstance. Um, and, the, the, well, yeah, they don't. Um, religious identity doesn't save or damn anyone. 
obedience is the mark of saving faith. And so, just to repeat what I had just said, salvation is free. And you trade death for life. Like, you say, here, Jesus, here's my slavery and my death. And he says, yes, here is my eternal, spotless life in advance, or in, in return. But then you live it. Like, you, you live that life that he gives you. Um, you. You can't just sit on it or treat it lightly. God honors the one who serves Jesus. What does it mean to serve Jesus? Certainly that's more than just claiming a religious identity. Um, and Jesus shows us what service looks like, which I'll get to in just a minute. Um, so just finishing up John chapter 12 for a day, I'm going to read verse 37 and 42 through 50. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders did believe in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue or out of the church. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come into the, did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Joshua said to the people, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And Jesus asks us, Will you pursue honor from God or praise from people? There's an urgency to this. Um, there's an urgency that's stronger than the language of invitation. Um, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I think it even goes into, like, if there's this daily choosing. Who am I going to serve today? Um, am I going to serve myself? Am I going to serve my desires, my flesh, my dreams? Or am I going to serve Jesus? And sometimes the activities you choose to do might look extremely similar, but it may, sometimes it's simply an attitude of the heart. Other times there are, there are real changes in what we do with our time, what we do with our body, and out of service for Jesus. Because as I said before, choices build lives. And so if we constantly choose worldly priorities o over God, like, how are you staying with Jesus in that? Um, if you choose against, against what God values, how do you love? Um, if you want the life of God, the, the life that only God can give, you can't keep marching to the same beat as everyone else around you. There, there's going to be a change. I, mean, I think this also goes for if you if you desire to see God do things that you know that He desires, like you desire to be a part of what God desires, you're going to have to march to His beat, and we just can't act like everyone else around us, valuing the same things, talking about the same things, thinking about the same things, um, feeling the same things. Not that not that we never do those things, but that can't be the mark of our life. It's got to be different. And so Jesus said, the one who looks at me 
sees the one who sent me. You want to see God when you look at Jesus. So I want to encourage you to look at him, love him, learn of him. Because Jesus shows us what life looks like and he shows us what service looks like. Because in the very next chapter, he's washing his disciples' feet. Earlier, Raina talked about the humility of Jesus. Um, and then in John chapter 14, he says again, you will, be, you will be where I am. Because he's going to prepare a place for his disciples as he invites them into intimate relationship with himself to, to share eternal life with them. So this is who Jesus is. He's not, he's not a harsh taskmaster. He wants us to enjoy all of life. But you have to come into step with that life to enjoy that life. And so I believe that tonight you're here because something about Jesus draws you in. Um, it might even just be the friendliness of one of his disciples in the room who invited you. But you're here because something about Jesus draws you. Um, and so my, my goal tonight is to exhort you, to encourage you deeply, to not be lacking zeal, um, but to be full of spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, which is how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12. This culture that we live in, it pushes really hard against zealous, passionate faith. Um, it pushes against things that would upset the pursuit of comfort, the pursuit of convenience, the pursuit of pleasure, or this autonomous self-identification. But God has issued a recall on that kind of life. Because that is a failed life, a dangerous <coughs> life that puts self and its interests at the center of the universe. Um, verse 48, Jesus says, There is a judge for the one who rejects my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. His words tell us what real life is. And so if we don't receive real life, we're left with the alternative, which is Let's not give in to the really not so subtle call to complacency in our world. Um, verse 36, Jesus says that we ought to believe in the light while we can see the light, so that we may become children of light, um, that our lives become light. Um, how close to the light can you get? How much like Jesus? Can you become? And sometimes these kind of questions, then we start thinking, well, okay, but I'm, I'm busy, and my job is this, or like, I have these responsibilities. And I think the idea of becoming like Jesus is not dependent upon your vocation. Um, because, okay, so I should, I should probably spend more of my time thinking about the Bible than you, because it's, my vocation is to teach the Bible. Um, and your vocation is to be a student of all the different students of. However, just like professionally thinking about the Bible is not the same thing as looking at Jesus. And also, God is extremely gracious and he meets us where we are. He knows that we are finite beings living in a material world dependent upon material things to stay alive. And so God is not going to say to the person who has to work 55 hours a week just to put food on the table, well, you didn't pay enough attention to me because you spent 55 hours at work this month, this week. Um, he will meet us exactly where we are. And so as we respond to him where we are, he gives us more and more and more of himself. And he wants to be with us everywhere that we go. So when we are studying, when we are at work, 
um, when we are with our friends, when we're doing the basic responsibilities of life, he is with us, if we will pay attention to him. So we, we choose to embrace all of Jesus, to stay near him, no matter what our responsibilities are. Let him teach you how to pray. Let him teach you how to forgive. Let him teach you how to put your body in a place of servant rather than master. To put your feelings in a place of servant rather than master. So that he is the master and we obey him and not just the fleeting desires of the moment. There, there are disciples and practices we, we can pick up to use in training ourselves for righteousness. But first we lay aside all the intentions we have for doing something other than just being with Jesus. That's called repentance. And we choose with our whole hearts to serve the Lord and to serve him only. Um, I don't like talking about hell. Um, so instead I chose the word recall. Um, but God loves us too much to, to allow us to become a danger to everyone around us. Um, and so, honestly, it's not like, oh, there's someone in the room that I really need to tell about this. Um, I was just like preparing the word that I felt the Lord directed me to, and it's like, well, this is what he's saying. Um, but I do know, I feel power, passionately that we need to fight against complacency. Um, the life of Jesus is so much more than just tacking Jesus on to our resume. Um, he really wants us to live his life. And so I love that in John, it uses the two different words for life. You have your soul, you are alive, um, but then there is zoe. There is the life that originates in God um, that we originally created with, and he wants to give back to us. And we live in his life. Um, like. In, in Hebrews, it's called indestructible life. Um, and so, and Jesus says that he has overcome the world, and he calls us to be overcomers. Um, and so he says in Revelation 3.19, be zealous and repent. Like, warm your heart up to me, and turn away from just indulging in this world and all that it has to offer. And I think sometimes, this is, a, this is the period of Lent, it's a good time to think about it, sometimes that means intentionally turning away from good things so that our heart can be turned and our affections can be returned to the best person who is the Lord. Um, and so I'm gonna just honestly just give us a moment to, to reflect. Um, a couple of questions to reflect on are what does it mean to serve the Lord? Um, in your context, in your responsibilities, what does it mean to serve the Lord? Because those who serve the Lord will be honored by the Father. Or the, another question could be, simply choose today whom you will serve. Will you actually serve him, or is there something that you've been serving instead? And then be zealous and repent. Um, so let's just take, I don't know what time it is, I'll check the time, but uh, we'll have hopefully at least two or three minutes to reflect before the Lord and respond to the Spirit. Um, and then if you would, then, then I'll say a prayer, and um, if you would like someone to pray with you, 